This is Rad Talk with Tracy, the podcast. This is a place where you'll discover what's possible when people impacted by reactive attachment disorder inspire change and build community through sharing their stories and expertise. I'm Tracy Poffenroth Prado, and I'm your host. I'm really glad you're here. And before we get started, if you like the podcast, please click like, share, and write a review. It helps so much. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Rad Talk with Tracy, the podcast. Today, I am so fortunate to be here talking with two incredible ladies, Latorian and Captoria. We were just talking earlier, and rather than me introducing them, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell you what they do, because they can explain it a lot better than I can. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for um, allowing us the opportunity to speak with you today on this amazing podcast. My name is Latorian Jackson. I work in a community mental health agency in Wayne County in the state of Michigan. I am a mental health therapist, particularly in multi-systemic therapy. That is family therapy And I work with youth that have juvenile justice experience, meaning they're on probation. Um, And I also work with their families doing family therapy to look at what is getting in their way of being at risk of out of home placement or potentially getting on probation. So my role is to help figure out how to keep them in the home, how to get off probation um, and not be involved with the system. Wow, that's a big job. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Tracy, for inviting us uh, to your podcast. We've been excited about it. So um, we appreciate it. My name is Captoria Snipes. I am a wraparound facilitator and I work with the families too. We receive referrals from schools or from doctors or nurses or courts asking us to work with families to uh, also similar to what um, Lotorian just said, to help keep them from being removed from the home. We may have to go into with the schools, try to get more, you know, IEPs, schools to be in more compliance with IEPs or go to court to try to help, you know, show the court that we are, we are wrapping around this family, trying to work with them so that they can find better strategies of, of uh, engaging with each other. i function as a wraparound facilitator, but my uh, profession is as a professional counselor, but in my role right now is just to kind of like work with the families and helping. We work with families from age, from zero to 21. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, I have some experience early in my career. I used to do assessments at a maximum security facility for juvenile adjudicated up to age 21. And that was about 20 years ago. So looking back with what I know now versus then, wow. And that's how you two connected, isn't it? Is there, there was a, a, a family that you were both referred to. Can you talk a bit about that? Yes. So, um, Captoria and I shared a case together at the same agency. So in the beginning, the client was referred to the multi-systemic therapy program by their probation officer and the courts. Um, I started working with the family and I started to notice this is more than, you know, behavioral concerns. The client had a history of 
being diagnosed with um, reactive attachment disorder could definitely see some of the signs there. The mother we worked with did not trust system at all. And I think the more that, you know, I got to know her, I know Captoria as well, too. We definitely understood why, you know, she was not heard by the system at all. And so I just noticed that it was a lot of behavioral and mental health things going on that MST alone, we could not have done without support with wraparound. So that's where I did a referral for wraparound to get involved, to work with, collaborate with me with MST. So that way we could help the family together. And I'll let Captoria speak on that. <laughs> it's just that when you, when you said, um, when we met the family, uh, Tracy, I think sometimes when we bring our old experiences and the, and the information that we know about ADHD and ODD and all these different things, right. we try to implement those and use it with this case and it didn't work. It didn't work. And so we had to, we was learning, you know, about it. We were um, listening and we could see the the correlations we could see what was going on but the court was still in the same mindset that we were initially mm -hmm. about you know all she got to do is set the discipline you know do the consequences and all those things the behavioral therapy and all of those mm -hmm. evidence-based practices that you learn to Mm -hmm. to implement right, right? And it wasn't it wasn't it was, yeah it was not that at all so can imagine if the court no one is listening to you you are in danger of them taking all of your children out of your right. home because you're unfit it's terrifying unfit, you know it's and it was terrifying it was so uh we were learning and as we was able to implement and talk about the situation the court started listening do you agree uh latorian it seemed like they started I, listening yes. and it's like they were getting uh knowledge the mother seeked out this she did that is exactly how we learned about rad advocates was through the client's mother i've never heard about rad advocates and then when we got amy involved like captoria said that's when we definitely started to learn more about um, RAD or reactive attachment disorder, a lot of things we weren't aware of. And when Amy was able to educate us on the signs and things to look for, I know myself, Captoria, we were able to see how things were playing out, like how the client or things respond and behave with different professionals and how um, if we're not all maintaining that united front or there's a break, you know, things can get chaotic. And so um, we, it was definitely challenging, you know, with the case of trying to win over the formal supports and understanding about reactive attachment disorder. And I think our system is flawed. We, we do not know much about reactive attachment disorder. Like when I, I'm home-based, just like uh, Captoria's home-based, you know, we, we go into the homes. And so I knew when I went to go do their intake. The house was all boarded up and I had to call my supervisor to say, is this the right house or address? You know, because right. I thought it was abandoned, but no, wow. they were in the home and the mom said the client had just busted out all of the windows in the home um, less than 24 hours ago. You know, so, I mean, I knew then that this was a different breed. This was it's not just 
behavioral that I think everyone wants to make it seem or that the parent is not doing something right, right you know, so it's a different yes. animal, isn't it? So I want to backtrack for a minute because mm-hmm. you were talking about meeting this family and, mm-hmm. or this mom, and you talked about noticing that something wasn't right. Did you notice that before she mentioned, Hey, I think my child has reactive attachment disorder. I've contacted this group. They've been really helpful. So you were just open to listening to her and investigating that. Yes. Amazing. I was, I, I, that's what I tried to do as a clinician is always remain open. If I could tell you, if I just went off of what I was just seeing with sight, (laughs) The client did a very good job of presenting, you know, like a persona of very sweet, like, I don't do these things, you know, but I do know (laughs) the thing about it. And the thing about it with MST is we work with different systems and a part of our model is getting multiple perspectives on the client, family and different things. And so I think that allowed me to be open you know, Mm -hmm. to hearing from everyone and just from the parent as well about their experiences. Do you see this openness in your colleagues or in other areas? You may not be able to answer that question, but I mean, the two of you both were open to seeing it and you connected and you didn't just leave it at that. You went like running with that. I think um, the ones that I talked to uh, did, and they gave me so much information. Uh, one, for an example, one of my coworkers said, she said, Captoria, I knew a psychologist. It's just like a psychologist who adopted the child. And they, you know, you're a psychologist. You, you got the answers. You're supposed to know. Yeah, yeah you got all the answers. <laughs> and she said that they just went through so many things that we're talking about this mom was going through, and they didn't know what to do. People saying, you should be more skilled. You should know what to do. And they found out that that child had rats, you know, mm-hmm. and then they had to, it was just really hard for them. And I'm saying that as, uh, you know, this is a psychologist and they, we was expecting this mom to know all this stuff with her child. Kudos to you two for taking that on and taking it all the way up, because not only did you ask for training for, you know, or take the training option to your supervisor, following through on that is amazing. Talk a little bit about you, you mentioned, you know, then having to take it up to the courts and to you deal with so many entities. Mm -hmm. And again, we all function uh, together and separately and often more separately, even though we'd like to function more together. That's just how it works. Mm -hmm. So everybody comes in with their own biases. And and again, back to those practices that you learn that are supposed to work. Uh, How was that speaking up for this family for you? It was very difficult. I know Captoria myself, even though we were working on the team with the family, we are also having our own separate meetings weekly, sometimes a couple of times a week, just to make sure we were on track and how we wanted to present, like from a unified standpoint. I know we had difficulties engaging the probation officer and um, the some of the court officials on what was going on. I think a lot of times, and Captain, I'm sure you can expand on this too, they might have felt that the mother might have brainwashed us or made us think a certain way, even though that's not what it was, you know, so they were just not very trusting 
of our therapeutic process, the help we were trying to give the family. It was also like kind of distrusting and really going along with what 100% what the child was saying, but not factoring in multiple perspectives of professionals that are in the home. So like MST and wraparound, we were in their home frequently, like sometimes two to three times a week or even more. So it was like, why not trust what we're saying? So it was like, we had to bring a lot of proof and evidence. Which I find so surprising because doesn't that speak to our system or, you know, I hate Uh the word ignorance, but just the cluelessness of it is that you've got two professionals that are therapists, counselors, this is your job. This is what you know. And you're being questioned by somebody who isn't a therapist. They see kids and families on a different end, but I just find that so surprising. What it was though, also Tracy is that when we talk about RADS and how they can manipulate and how they can gravitate to other people outside, not giving this, the caregiver, you know, this respect or, you know, because they can't, you right. know, because they, they can't, so they can give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that's what she did. She gave it to this case manager, uh, the probation officer. And so the probation officer really um, crossed some boundaries um, as well. And she wouldn't listen to whatever her mother, the mother was saying, and they blamed her for everything. Like I said earlier, you're the mother, you're supposed to do this, 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 and that. And the mother even said, Captori, they told me when I was going to adopt the children, all you need to do is love, provide love yeah. and home. And she said, I got that. Right. That didn't work. So even the judge and, and the case manager appeared to be uh, with the same mindset I told you about remembering other stuff, you applying what that past information to a present situation that is not, it's an oxymoron. It wasn't working. Right. And so, yeah, they wasn't listening to that until we was able to have to like, I think you put a lot of it in the report, right? Yes. Like we had to really document for the courts to understand what behavioral responses we were seeing from the client's mental health. And a lot of our court reports was always centered around safety, that the client was displaying a lot of unsafe behaviors, not just with herself, but also her family. Um, We also even saw when crises were happening, the police took a long time to even come to the home because they were always going to the home. And uh, so they just looked at it as- Here we go again. Another, yep, here we go. Yeah, just another yeah. behavioral response. Frequent flyer. I remember, yep, I remember one time the mother called me. I had to call the police myself to say, I'm the mental health therapist. I need someone over there immediately because the mom had called over 40 minutes ago and the client- was still going at it. And when the client would go at it behaviorally, um, the behavioral escalation, she could do a lot of damage and property destruction. I think that incident, she flipped over the stove and the gas line. Yeah. So that how the anger level in that was unsafe for the family. Well, and showing up to the house that looks boarded up and abandoned. Yes. Yes. So yeah, she had destruction anger. Um, Even with, I would say the hospitals, it's all behavioral and Mm -hmm. what she would get sent there, even though doing all of those things. And she was back home in like two to three hours. Mm -hmm. It was all behavioral. 
it, it's like some of the systems never really took the time to really thoroughly evaluate, figure out what is going on. It was never a question of inpatient treatment that possibly might be needed. No, it's all behavioral. She's going home. She's a high hospitalization utilizer. And I feel like when you have high hospitalization utilizers, they're not always given the most adequate treatment because a lot of times people have that cognition of, oh, you're just here for attention or, you know, right. X, Y, Z, what have you. You get that label and then there's less tolerance mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. The other thing I just want to say briefly, uh, Tracy, is that the impact that that makes on the family in terms of this out, this behavior, they're fearful. They isolate themselves in the room and close the door. Her youngest son had to sleep with her. He was so afraid and he started being affected emotionally in school and physiologically. Um, So, and he, they said they didn't, you know, celebrate the different holidays and things like that because she was so, you know, aggressive. And uh, she would, would um, her other, she had another sister and her sister, she threatens her and she was afraid of her. It was a lot. It was a lot that impacted. And that sometimes um, the kids was looking at the mom because she is just like, make this stop. Mm-hmm. Make this mm-hmm. stop. You, you need to have her to be able to leave our home so that we can be able to have some peace, you know, mm-hmm. in here. Well, and you're both pointing out the biggest issue is it is a system breakdown and it's so badly broken, I think, or disconnected maybe is a better word. Um, And I like that you're pointing out that this doesn't just affect the child, not just the parents or the parent, um, but it affects everybody in the community, the school, the the system. And then there's I don't know how many people know about that high utilization issue. Mm -hmm. And then what happens there? There's lots of things that go on behind the scenes that parents get judged for, or it gets misinterpreted. And then like you say, yeah, the tolerance, and then it goes Mm -hmm. down a different, the level of understanding and wanting to work together. It's more, let's just hurry up and get these people out of here. They're costing us money rather than dealing with the real problem at hand. Mm -hmm. And then all the people that you have to convince in the system. Yes. Kudos. Way to go. I don't know if it's like a power thing or not, Tracy, but we mm-hmm. all can't know everything, right? I mean, we don't exactly. know everything about this stuff. So if we're seeing something, I think we should um, commit to trying mm-hmm. to consider it to see what it's before you rule it out. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, I was sharing with Latorian earlier, you know how when people trying to diagnose different things, they misdiagnose it or they figure out they know it because they I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been doing this for this many years. So they think that they know this. Right. So even though you've been doing it for many of those years, doesn't mean that you know all this stuff. Right. So I, Absolutely. And, like I would, I could tell you like even for that case, she had like a psychiatric evaluation and different things. And a lot of times they get misdiagnosed with either yeah. like oppositional defiant disorder. Captoria mentioned to me one time, um, ADHD, autism. Also, yeah, autism. I know another one is mood, uh, disruptive mood, dysregulation disorders. Like it's just different ones. And then they try all of these medications and nothing mm-hmm. seems to work. So I think that is not only with our, with the system, but with our field, we just really do not 
know much about reactive attachment disorder. Right. I know for me, when I was in school, it was glazed over. Right. Oh, this is, it's an attachment disorder. Yeah. That's it, you know, but it's so more to red. Right. It's a different animal, like you said before, and we need to think mm-hmm. about it and go about it differently. And, and I like what you're saying. There's a psychologist that I'm going to be interviewing and he would agree with you both about those many diagnoses and they're often misdiagnosed. And then it doesn't lead us to the right intervention mm-hmm. and it doesn't lead us to really helping. And so instead of looking at that big picture and then backtracking and working out what do we need or what does that child need, that piece is missing. Everybody's coming in with good intentions and really trying to bring their expertise to the table and help, but we're missing the mark there for sure. You know, one thing I want to say at the um, Latorian at the bottom of your email message, I like your quote that you have sticks in a bundle are unbreakable. And I think that that's what you're bringing to this is trying to bring everybody together on the same page. And then we can go in together and be stronger and make that change. Yes. Uh, this mother must have been so happy to find you both and have you working alongside them. She tells, she told us that often first she had to get the trust though, Tracy. She mm-hmm. was trust. She didn't want first. I think she didn't want me to be on the case. Right. <laughs> she, yes, I was going to be off the case. And then when, when she, mm-hmm. um, ch- she changed her mind and then we started working together again. She said, she thought that Latoria and I was going to do great things together. <laughs> So maybe and here you are, right? Yes. You yes. are doing great things together. She yeah, she because she didn't trust either, but she mm-hmm. she had a she wanted to reach out and have, want to have take care of foster kids because she was in the foster care system herself, and she wanted and so that's why when they said all you need is love, mm. I got that she right. had that. But um, when one time at court. Tracy, one time we was at court and the, the, the client had, I mean, I don't know if it was a dry eye. I don't know if you was emotional that day or not, Latorian, but when we kept talking about different things, she all of a sudden said in such a, a, a emotional voice, y'all just don't want me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, she can't, she can't see or understand all the, the breaking of the windows and the fear in the family and the leaving the home or whatever. This is, causing so much disruption she wanted to still and sometimes want to be there and then she said when she get older she was going to leave mm-hmm. so it just seemed like you know I think that's what another reason why I think the court was looking at mom like uh so the mother just held her head down and walked away Aww. because it's you know and people say oh it broke my heart I think it really broke her heart she's like she's figuring out what she's gonna do I'm trying right. to keep these children mm-hmm. safe here yeah. I'm trying to show love but she doesn't want my love mm-hmm. what do I do the you know CPS this and you know so she had a lot she has so much going on just so defeated too you've tried everything done everything mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and the system has not you know it was not a help to her. If anything, it took her through the ringer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was very mistrusting of services, which now that, you know, like I can look back on things and like my experience and working with her, I, I couldn't blame her. You know, the mm-hmm. system was not working to help her. Like she truly did want to help, you know, her daughter and to figure out what things could be done differently. So that way, her daughter can live with her and, and, and function well, you know, 
right? The solutions just aren't always out there right now. Amy Amy kept telling her, kept saying it, trust the process, Mm -hmm. trust the process. Mm -hmm. Because I guess Amy was knowing that she wasn't, you know, trusting. She kept telling her, you know, Mm -hmm. trust the process, trust the process. And I believe when she started trusting us, she was trusting us more, trusting those things. Because mm-hmm. I don't think she, I don't know if she was thinking that uh, Latoria and I was against her mm-hmm. at times. She was seeming like she was thinking that. And mm-hmm. Amy kept saying that to her to trust the process. She also it told her that, hey, you you, you have a good team here. Yeah. She was referring to Latoria and I, you have a good team here. Because I wouldn't want to have people on my case just to have them on my case and do nothing. You kind of figure out what and sometimes we just don't we right. just don't know we learn from the clients they learn from us and right. it's a win-win did you know that rad talk with tracy is not just a podcast we offer one-of-a-kind support services for parents including supportive coaching support groups and retreats visit radtalkwithtracy.com check out our services and sign up for the one that's right for you Well, and it's nice too, when you have an advocate on your side, that middle person to say, Hey, I'm like you. And I trust these people. I think that gives a little lens, a little more credibility because I I think this story is common to so many listeners out there and families with rad is it does get pushed off as it must be your fault. It must be a parenting issue. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or providing the right things. And then most caseworkers or anybody involved in that care team, you know, whether it's the school, a physician, um, the therapists to be, and especially when, you know, children's services are involved, mm-hmm. it's easy to not trust because it is disconnected. Again, you've got these people making judgments about you and again, yeah. no judgment here, but it's just that knowledge isn't there. We haven't gotten to that point where we really understand reactive attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. So you can see why so many families are shut down and they don't trust. So I think that's really good that right. uh, she took that chance on you. And uh, so now knowing what, you know, two questions, one, do you look back on families that you've helped in the past and kind of go, Oh man, I could have done better. And then two, what, how are you going to move forward with this? With what you I know think now. the answer to that is, yeah, you know, I was wondering, I was just kind of processing it, it was some of the things, not that I'm um, wondering if they, either they were in foster care, it could this have been a situation, you know, what else could we have done? And so, yes, I did think of that. And then I thought, I want to do doctors do the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. process. Hey, you know, I could have done this. Okay. And I did have this. So that's really kind of spooky, Tracy. I thought about that. And you're asking that. <laughs> and yes, I did think that, but I always try to be genuine mm-hmm. uh, with, with my clients and trying to do whatever it is that I can within my power to do to work with them. So I did think, I think it was uh, uh, one person, but that I did think about, but moving forward, I think we would be more trying to do more research and learn about it, the therapies and, and right. things like that. Yes, I would definitely uh, agree and piggyback off what um, Captoria said. I definitely can look back on some of my, you know, old cases and even this past case and like, what could I have, you know, done differently? But if I had to do that, I I would not have been able to get the experience I do have now, you know? So I think I look at it more from a standpoint, what have I learned from this case and what can I take with me 
to my next cases that I have. And a lot of it is just the knowledge that I've learned from the families that I've worked with. In addition to the more I can educate myself on different therapies, different disorders, that's so important to do those things is um, knowledge. Educate yourself. Self-learner. Exactly. Educate yourself because that's how you can be equipped to work with different things that come your way in the future. And so that's what I I think I try to focus on and doing is, yeah, I probably could have done that better. Like I know at this case. But like you say, it's not about the, it's not about going back and judging yourself. That is what looking back is about is how can I learn from that and then take what I didn't know and what I know now and then just move forward. Uh, I think that's, it's good to look Mm -hmm. back and really analyze so that you can see how you can take that forward today. Absolutely. We talked about a lot, a lot, a lot of families being distrustful, especially the ones that get tossed into that back into the child welfare system and the judgment. And, you know, like this parent that you worked with, what would you say to parents and families that are fearful or some suggestions you'd give them on what they can do to find the right people and not, feel judged? And then what would you tell people in your professions? I think um, just I would just tell them to not to give up, um, not to give up. Many people have misunderstood. They uh, don't understand. I will share maybe a little bit of our t- testimony about the, the case that we had and what that mom went through and what the services, somebody will listen to you. Somebody will listen to you when somebody is experiencing what you are experiencing. So I would encourage them to try to find a group of rats, you know, a group so that she, they could be able to get some, some support um, or even just to get a chance to sound off because there's so much that they have to deal with. So I would encourage them to get, try to find a group and I would, encourage them to even teach their children about these kind of the behaviors and different things that maybe because this is what their sister or their brother or the foster child is experiencing this is a diagnosis you know that kind of thing so they can have some kind of insight because the kids now is just thinking that hey they're just mean they bad they this and they that get them out of our house right you know, that kind of thing so I think this, that's what I would do and I and I guess in terms of just talking with our co-workers we already do that in terms mm-hmm. of talking about it I don't know if anybody else is is as geeked or whatever hyped as we contagious <laughs> <laughs> to it as we were um, I think we bonded Tracy I think yeah. uh, Latoya and I bonded we needed each other <laughs> yeah we needed yeah. each other right. so I think that's what I was just try not to uh, isolate yourself don't feel try not to feel ashamed be open to anybody in the system be open mm-hmm. yeah absolutely like everything that Captoria said, especially with parents, do not give up. Be willing to share your story. You know, That's you're going to come across, yes, some professionals that will care, you know. And when you're noticing someone does not care, you got to get those people out the way immediately and keep looking for the services keep joining those support groups, keep advocating because eventually you will get to the place where you're going to get the right supports that are going to be on your team. Well, I always tell people too, it's okay to fire people. This is your life. This is your family. You're in charge. And we often feel we lose 
that power and we shrink exactly. in this because it's overwhelming and scary. And the people that we often deal with are in powerful positions, especially when it comes to our lives and our kids. Well, so it's yes. big and scary, but you're allowed to fire people and create the team and find those people like what you're saying. Yes. Latoria. I would recommend that to families. Like you said, this is your life. You are in control of it. You know, your family, you know, your child and you know what services are needed. So keep advocating. And when you do get the people on your team and you notice this could be good, be open to teaching. This is what I know about my child. This is what I know about RAD, you know, and that goes into with professionals. We have to be open, honest about everything. So if you don't have as much experience about RAD, I think it's okay to say that, but I'm willing to work together. I'm willing to collaborate to try my best to learn more about this and from you so that way we can figure out solutions and just different things. I think as professionals, we have to do that. I think as professionals, we sometimes think we have to have all the answers to things. And when we don't, hide behind it. So with that being said, I think we feel we have to have all the answers and we have to be right. And that is not true. We're human ourselves and there's things that we can learn. Mm -hmm. And I think by us being open, even just with our own colleagues and asking for help, you know, is going to be key and leaning on each other for that support. I think could be beneficial. Well, and I think nobody goes into this profession without having a caring heart and wanting to make mm. a difference and help, right? Sometimes it's just misguided based on what the system is placing importance on. Mm -hmm. And that's where we uh, go off-roading, you know? And yeah. And so, you know, yeah. people come in with, with open hearts. What do you think changes? I want people to hear that you know, you're hearing this advice from two professionals in the system. They're telling you this stuff. Uh, there are good people out there looking out for you. And two of them are right here and in Wayne County, Michigan. So, but what do you think changes? Like what, where does that disconnect start happening for a professional or somebody in the system where they, they lose that tolerance or they, they aren't supportive to that family. Is it, is it burnout? Is it just that there aren't the right solutions and they're feeling like they're following all the steps and it's not working. So they're getting frustrated, lack of knowledge, all of the I above. A, I think it's a combination. And, you know, initially we talked about the preconceived notion that, you know, this, you just do your parenting and everything right. will fall in line. Right. That is the perception. And so if you're going to go on that perception that that is what it is, you're not open to anything else. Right. You're not open. And so I think to be open about it and to learn, be willing to learn. And it was so refreshing to learn about this. Mm. It's like a new date. Right? You was learning about this and then it was able to implement the, the information and, and see the, the difference. Yeah. We were learning it. And we just like to have to go back to school, looking and doing research and just seeing it and, and observing it. It was just like a book. Yeah. When our egos get in the way, when we do something for so long, and I love that you're talking about just being open again and learning and what that did for you by doing that. We often get stagnant in our jobs as well. And then if you're in a position where you don't feel you're making a lot of progress with your families and your work, that is very frustrating. So I love what you're saying, Captoria, is that it really was refreshing and it opened it up and it gave you new life and excitement and 
in any therapeutic profession, progress matters. I mean, that's what we look for. We want progress. We want change. We want to make a difference. And when it happens slowly, that's hard. But when it doesn't happen at all, that's really, really hard. And Mm -hmm. so um, I think that offers now that you've found solutions, you did the learning, you've got some of the knowledge, you're going to keep going with that. It opened things up and you saw incredible change in progress Mm -hmm. in a positive way that that's going to sustain you and take you forward from here. Yeah, because the kids, so if if they would apply what they were saying about this mother not doing this with this child, the other kids were doing awesome, Mm -hmm. doing well in school, getting scholarships, you know, and when uh, the young lady um, was removed, the other younger uh, sibling was started doing so much better in school, doing other activities in there and being able to sleep by themselves. You you, saw a whole lot of different changes in it that the way that it negatively impacted the family, it has some positive impact. So they had fun going places to the activity, to the parks and things that we take for granted. Right. Um, And And most families listening can't imagine right now. We ate dinner at the table. We watched TV together. We were in this, you know, kids was walking around it. You know, they didn't walk around like that. They was isolated. They definitely felt free, you know, Mm. and that was like a response that they said the freedom to be able to just be and live and be themselves Mm. was something definitely mentioned. And I would say um, when Captoy was talking about the mother, I think because the system will focus so much on feeling what the parent is not doing with this particular child that they fail to look at well, wait, how is this parent with their other children? Mm-hmm. And it, it just fails to get that perspective or take a step back to look at the bigger picture here. Right. And so I would say that goes back to, like you said, uh, like Captoria said, it's a mul- it's multiple reasons why I think, you know, sometimes some professionals can have a jaded experience or view on families where they see like these things happening or just have a negative connotation of or assuming what this parent is or is not um, based on what they've seen come out of their courtroom or just different cases in the past instead of taking the time to just be open to figuring out what is this parent's experience like get in their shoes and look at every parent and family and child as a separate entity than the last family and parent and child that you dealt with, right? And try not to have so many unrealistic expectations when you don't really just know that just what's really, really going on. What's the factors that is affecting the the family? Well, I can relate to that. What you were saying, Captoria, about thinking that, you know, I've been doing this for so many years. I have all the answers. My son had a teacher and all of us other teachers up until this point had really, none of us really knew it was reactive attachment disorder still, but we knew something was up and everybody was willing to work uh, like you two are as a team and just come up with solutions. But this one teacher, one year, we just, every day, we got a note home and read writing and red flags and phone calls. And so we tried to have a, a couple of discussions with her to explain why our son was different and that it's uncommon for her experience maybe, but 
Uh, and I remember her saying, you know what, I've been doing this for, th- I've been teaching for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, wow, that just shut everything down because exactly. we're not going to be able to have a conversation. She's now. not open. She's not open and mm-hmm. no, no judgment to her, but that's, that's what we do face. And so luckily we were able to get my son into a different classroom and again, ah. no judgment, but I just realized this is not going to work. And it wasn't just affecting my son. It was affecting us. I felt horrible. Yeah. I felt like I was the one getting the red marks every day and the yes. phone calls and the, the, you know, he needs to do this. You need to do this. And just no discussion about, well, we are doing all of that. And right. just understand right. they, they, don't get, they don't get it. And they're saying that they're, what they're saying is we talked about, if you're not parenting, it's you, it's you. That's, that's all they, that's all they know. Right. That's that all, they know. all they know. That's all and they so know. you do have to be open, especially those veterans in your career. Yes. Still try and, and find that place to, to be open. And that's really what I had to do. And it was hard, but I, you know, we really have to be reminded that we can step back into our power and stand mm-hmm. up to those people and say, no, we want a different teacher, you know, and yes. we need to get somebody else on our team that may not have all the answers, but is definitely more supportive and, mm-hmm. and open. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the research all, uh, indicates often don't take it personal. Don't. I was like, it's so hard. Like, it's so hard. I get mm-hmm. all these red marks. I'm the mommy. I get the mm-hmm. red marks. I'm supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to have, I got this. Right. You, know, yes. you, you do take it personal sometimes because you're figuring out I've crossed the T's. I dotted the I's. What's wrong? Right. And just the fact that you don't have the supports in place to be open to understanding you, what you have going on, what you have done, because Again, I feel like with a lot of families that have children with reactive attachment disorder, professionals and other people are always coming at you of what you're not doing, Mm -hmm. you know, it's and not taking the time to figure out what have you done or why is it hard for you to do these things? I don't think we're asking the right questions, you know, like just taking that step back to inquire more, to learn more from families. And you nailed it there too, Latorian, when you were talking about support, because that's exactly what I was reaching out for support. And so often we do. Mm-hmm. And then when you not only, maybe the support isn't there, that's one thing, but when it's put back on you, uh, when you're, when you're in that helpless position or you, you, you're reaching out and being vulnerable and asking for support and a, it's not given to you, but B there's also that judgment behind it, or just shut down that we're not even going to go any further. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it tough. makes a difference. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember years ago, I was in the IEP meeting and the school was saying, well, you know, when he gets home for this, you gotta do this, you need to do that. And you should do this. And you said, I say, excuse me, let me just um, let you know, I'm in the home once a week. I'm there. I see them having structure, the things they have to do. And I said, they want them. They strive for education. They um, in, um, communicate the importance of education. They're here with us and to us together to help them. They're reaching out for us. So mm-hmm. these are some things that they've, they've done. And so we just uh, need to just come together and help the family. Long story short, when we did come together and help the family, they was able to, we were able to get medication change. We were able to be able to um, help the mom because she was about to go into therapy herself. And so that uh, young man was asked, 
started getting on the honor roll. What? And, his, mm-hmm. and he got a name to his mom said, Captory, I never had one of those plates on your, <laughs> right. uh, on your car saying my student has made the honor roll. Wow. Out of all the kids, out of all her kids, he was the one to, to do that. But when the school, the principal, the social worker, the counselor, and I, and all of us came together, yes. it, see what the difference in May? And That's what can happen. Stop that kind of progress. Right. Who wants to stop that kind of progress? Yeah, absolutely. So that's yeah. what could be waiting, not to say all of the things, but that's what could be waiting right. if you come together and not act like mm-hmm. we're you're the big eyes and we the little, right. you know, you know, so I don't know. It's just worth the try. I would I'd rather be caught trying. I'd be rather caught trying than trying to act as if I know it all and that I am the expertise. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we went to the school. I mean, we're the expertise thing, but we've had some experience and then we can share with those and be supportive. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think it's so amazing that you're in the home too, and you can help be advocates and speak for those families and you're mm-hmm. seeing what they are doing and that you're open to learning uh, I would move to Wayne County if I was anybody listening and track down Latorian and Captoria. <laughs> but I think this is really inspiring. I know for me as a parent and other listeners out there, it's inspiring to hear from two people in the system, you know, saying, Hey, don't be afraid to do these things. Here's some advice. And also the progress that you've seen for other therapists and professionals in the system listening, I mean, I just see and hear how excited you are because of the changes that you've helped to make offering that support and being open. It's possible, anything hopeful. I mean, I just, we don't often get that. And so I I think that you guys are really pioneers and you're going to take this to new levels and and make big change as you already have. Can you reiterate though, Tracy, that that mom is the one who research and found yes me. yes absolutely so that's why i tell them don't give up keep you know searching people mm-hmm. may not understand but keep keep looking yeah thank you for that she knows yes. she was doing these things of what people were saying right. she wasn't doing so they yeah. do have power keep doing that I'm glad you pointed that out because that's what i think a lot of us do is we end up not getting that support and then Dr. Professor Google, we're just on there. You don't give up and you just search and Mm -hmm. search. And, uh, and that's the thing that doesn't get seen too, is, you know, everybody likes to give advice, whether you're diagnosed with an illness Mm -hmm. or you have something going on. And that Mm -hmm. is one thing, but people giving that advice don't recognize. I always say that rad parents go above and beyond. I mean, I think we know about every therapeutic intervention out there, anything in our community. And if we don't know, we just haven't found it yet because we are forced to do all that digging. Yeah. Yeah. But that is, that is your power though, Mm -hmm. is to not give up, to keep being motivated, to keep finding and getting that support team. And like we said, you can't be scared of firing somebody. You need to do it. Like if it's not working, you've had conversations, fire, keep moving and keep building your team. I think love love is the motivation as well, because you want to see them, you know, you, you're motivated to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was sharing with, uh, um, Latorian when I was uh, expecting, uh, I was pregnant. I kept feeling 
differences in my body. Um, but I kept going to the doctor and they kept saying, well, no, it's, it's not positive. No, it's not positive. And I was just like, something is happening. My stomach is here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And they eventually, after a while, because I... I guess other than calling me cuckoo, they did the ultrasound and found out that yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. You know, so mm-hmm. I have to keep, I didn't just say, well, I don't know. They keep saying the test is negative. You have to, you just keep pushing. Mm-hmm. Right. So you had a little taste of it in a different way. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah but I think you're right. It's important to recognize what the parents do do. And oh, yes. um, because, and you're both saying, keep, don't give up. And because look at who we found here today, right? You two, there's more, there's gotta be more of mm-hmm. Latorian and Captorias out there <laughs> just ready and willing and open. Is there anything else you'd like to say that you'd like people to know? Other than what we said mm. about uh, keep researching, mm-hmm. keep seeking. Um, someone would have a heart for you and be concerned about it. Keep doing it. Don't give up. Try not to beat mm-hmm. yourself up too much. Try to find some kind of uh, care, caring for yourself, even mm-hmm. while you're going through all these different things. Do try to do something to kind of help yourself or love on yourself, even though the sight of everything um, that is just seemed like it's going wrong. Trying to find something fun things or things to do so that you can keep your mental state right (laughs) as much as you can as much as yes right I I would agree with that yes self-care is very big you know and keep utilizing support systems yeah keep the advocacy going like I said I feel like I've learned so much with um just the experience of working with a mother that had a child with reactive attachment disorder. I saw the motivation, the advocacy, very strongly, the passion and love is incredible. And that despite everything and how systems and others can make you feel, I want parents to know that they are doing a phenomenal job. They are the best parents that the child could have ever had. And do not be very hard on themselves because of what's going on. Just keep fighting, keep moving forward, being the best you that you can be for you, your children. I think it's key things that they have. I want them to keep in mind along with the self-care is that they can do this. I don't know. I just like, they're like some of the best parents I've ever <laughs> seen it's with children with reactive attachment disorder, just it's out of this world of the love and care that they have for their kids and they well I don't think we could end on a better note (laughs) I think that is yeah we couldn't end on a better I want to thank you both for first the work that you're doing your openness and the love and care and your understanding for families like mine and everybody listening um I just appreciate you taking the time to be here and offering that hope and inspiration as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website, at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.